Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is special guest Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Chris Cervello, Class of 99 and producer of Sing Second Sports. This podcast is made possible by our dedicated sponsors, Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis, The Graduate Hotel, Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, The Montana 3000 Podcast with 1996 graduate Sean Gallagher, and Nate Connor and Academy Consulting. On this week's show, we break down the Friday Night Lights affair from Tulsa, Oklahoma. This isn't your mama's Friday Night Lights with Booby Miles and Mike Winchell representing Mojo. This is Navy taking on a Tulsa team that is one, three of four, are sitting fourth in the American uh, Conference standings, and a team that played a number nine Ohio State team pretty tough in the shoe a couple of weeks ago. The boys and I will break that down. We also chat with class of 79 grad and former NFLer. Phil McConkey. Phil talks about his love of Navy football, that famous Super Bowl performance against my beloved Broncos, his continued pursuit of personal athletic excellence, and what it's like to now be a parent of a Naval Academy midshipman. And finally, we were able to ask Naval Academy graduate and a member of the first class of female Naval Academy submariners, Kayla Barron, a few questions before she goes up to the ISS early Sunday morning on the NASA SpaceX Dragon. But let's start with Tulsa WAG. 7.30 p.m. Friday night, ESPN2 on the road. Navy faces off against quarterback Davis Brin, awesome QB name, running back Shamari Brooks, and the rest of the Golden Hurricane. Singular. They're not hurricanes. It's a Golden Hurricane. This is a team coming off a great win versus Memphis, and last week a heart-stopping last-second win over a bad USF team, but a win nevertheless. And they're staring up above them. Um, in the standings at Houston, Cincinnati, and SMU. Now, Houston already crushed Tulsa earlier this year, but Tulsa, if they have any postseason dreams, they control their fate with games at Cincinnati and at SMU on the horizon. That Cincinnati game is next week, so we stand in between it. Wags, is this a chance for us to catch this team looking ahead to Cincinnati? And what do you, you kind of grade our chances as? Well, one interesting fact about Navy-Tulsa is that Navy has never lost at Tulsa since joining the American Athletic Conference. Navy is 4-0, and actually one of those games was before they joined the conference. But in games at Tulsa, H.A. Uh, Chapman Stadium is their facility. Navy is 4-0 and has outscored Tulsa 149-83. And I, this sticks out in my mind because I've been at those Tulsa games and watched Navy crushing them multiple times and thinking, I, I can't believe they keep beating this team on a, on its home field. Um, you mentioned some of the stars The Shamari Brooks has over 3000 career rushing yards, John. He's really legit. Talk to Navy defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry. And he said that this will be another game similar to Cincinnati, where you do have to stop the run first because 
the run is what sets up everything for Tulsa's attack. They're a big RPO run pass option team, and they've got some weapons in the passing game that uh, Davis Brim likes to go to. Um, what stands out to me about Tulsa, and if you remember last year at Navy, Tulsa held Navy to six points. Tulsa beat Navy in Annapolis 19 to six. Remember last year they had that incredible linebacker, uh, Zavin Collins. He's now playing for the Arizona Cardinals. He was the sixth. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of a Sunday player now. He, he was kind of athletic. Oh, yeah, he, he's legit. Um, he won the Chuck Bednarik Award last year, um, unanimous All-American, and he was the 16th overall pick in the draft. Well, thank God he's gone. But they still got some ball players, John. I think the one guy that fans are going to notice immediately is Jackson Player. He's a defensive tackle. His first team All-American uh, Athletic Conference last year. He has 17 career tackles for loss, six foot, 294 pounds. He's a real compact guy. He's, he's hard to get leverage on because he's low to the ground. He's really good. And they got a defensive end named Colin Wick. He ranks 10th nationally with seven and a half tackles for loss. And they've got a couple good law, other players. They, this team returned 11 All-American Athletic Conference selections from a year ago. I mean, and remember, Tulsa was in the AAC championship game lost to Cincinnati. So th this is a, a Tulsa team. They've really come a long way, this program, under Coach Philip Montgomery. A lot of respect for Monty. Uh, he, uh, he is the only coach that's got any tenure in the American Athletic Conference, similar to Kenny Amatololo. All these other schools have had coaches come and go, but Tulsa and, and Navy are the only coaches programs that have had coaches that have stayed a while. And as a result, Coach Niamatololo and Coach Montgomery have gotten to know each other pretty well and have a high respect for one another. So speaking of coaches, Wags, uh, Coach Niamat talked to the media on Monday, Coach Newberry yesterday on Tuesday. You know, what did you glean from those conversations? Where is their head at? And in your estimation, what do they need to turn around from last week in order to go in there on Friday night and grab a W? Well, I think the biggest word that is being used on both sides of the ball, John, is finishing. They're not finishing. They're, they're playing good here and there and showing flashes, but they're not finishing games. They're not finishing drives when they get into plus territory, into the enemy territory on offense. Um, they're playing great defense, but they're having, you know, five or six slip-ups, which are the decisive in the game. I'll tell you, it was really interesting, John. Brian Newberry was ticked off about the fact that so many people were patting the players on the back and giving them attaboys. Oh, wow, you held Cincinnati to 27 points. Congratulations, like, like they'd won a game. And, and he held a meeting Monday with the defense and showed them six clips in which basically the game was lost and said, you know, I don't want to hear that we played great and lost. There's only one outcome that we're here for. It's winning. And th the six clips showed – Mistakes that were made, guys that didn't execute their assignments, weren't where they were supposed to be, and they led to decisive plays that in the end were the difference between winning and losing. So uh, as Chris Cervello said in our She Lexus of Annapolis postgame pod on Sunday, waiting for this team to put a complete game together. We've been seeing glimpses and flashes on both sides of the ball need to put a complete game together. Right, Chris? 
I, I agree, Bill. Um, and I think that'll be the difference. Um, you, you know, the coaches talk about finishing. I, I think it's the same sentiment from uh, the fan standpoint. You'd love to see a complete offense game. You'd love to see a complete defense game. Man, that makes me feel good to hear uh, Coach Newberry say that because I think that's the that's the feeling, right? I mean, I, I get it. You want to say positive things. You want to point out the things that the guys did well. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, we have one win. Um, and there's a lot more talent uh, and there's a lot more potential on this team than we're showing week in and week out. Um, if they bring it all, they win. If they don't, they lose. I really think it's that simple. So, Chris, you know, Navy is four and three against the spread this year. They're taking on Tulsa, who's three and four. Tulsa is giving uh, 11 points to Navy on this Friday night affair with an over under, which kind of made my head uh, hurt a little bit of 47. Um, so if you take the Cincinnati game last week as a barometer that ended with an OU right at the, right at the number of 47, uh, might seem okay, but something about this game tells me that it's going to be low scoring and kind of a grinded out affair. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I'm not going to bet th this game, um, be because I don't, I don't like it. it it's just very odd. And, and I, I wish I would have like taken that advice last week, um, because of that element of Navy either brings it. All or they or they um, you, you know uh, don't play a complete game. I think it makes it very hard to to pick the spread, and it makes it very hard to pick the over under. Um, I think whoever wins this game wins by a lot. So I think if Navy shows up and they bring a complete uh, uh, their complete offensive effort, I actually think they run away with it. Conversely, I think if they don't uh, if they don't bring it. They only score, you know, a handful of points and, and uh, Tulsa runs away with it. So for my betters out there, go bet somebody else. Enjoy the game. But this is a this is an odd one. Yeah, take a take a flyer on the, the must watch affair on Saturday between Villanova and William and Mary. Uh, Wags, over to you. Number one, um, before we finish out, any injury concerns that we should be thinking about with the game on Friday? How healthy is Navy? And then what are your thoughts? What do you think happens Friday night? Well, first of all, I'm really surprised by 11-point favorite for Tulsa based on the past history of the series. Davey beats Tulsa regularly. And last year, when Tulsa had its best team under Philip Montgomery in, in Annapolis, they won 19-6, and that was a struggling Navy team that had offensive problems. I, I don't know who thinks Tulsa is going to beat Navy by 11. Um, I, I don't see it quite the same as Chris. I see a close game. Um, and I, I think I, I really think this could finally be the game in which the Navy offense puts up, you know, closer to 30 points than 20. Um, they've been averaging less than 18. It can't continue. They know it. I liked some of the short passing game elements we saw in the game against Cincinnati. And I hope that continues. I think that's great. Good way to get some yardage and have tie make a little easy pass a throw across the middle or a short, you know, throw up the sideline. But, you know, it doesn't always have to be play action pass, throw it deep. There's other things you can do in the passing game. And I like that they're adding those wrinkles. Um, I just, I think this is the game where Navy finally puts together offensively and perhaps scores 31 points. Maybe they win this game 31, 24, John, uh, you asked about injuries. Well, Kevin Brennan, the starting safety. It looks like he's out for a while. I don't think it's season ending, but it, it's he's going to miss a couple more games. It's a severe shoulder injury. Um, they're rolling young safeties. Um, one thing that Coach Newberry mentioned uh, when they go to their three high safety look, the uh, 
the 335 nickel package. Um, Michael McMorris, who is a quarterback, is now moving to safety. They want a veteran guy at safety in the nickel package. And the a young kid, Elias Larry, is looking good at cornerback. So what they're doing now when they go to three high safety look is they're putting Michael McMorris back at safety and bringing Larry in at cornerback. I found that interesting. Um, but I think other than that, they're relatively healthy. No other major injuries. You know, another interesting thing I did, and there'll be a story in the Capitol today about Nicholas Straw. He is the guy that plays the Raider position. That's the hybrid outside linebacker position that is kind of like a defensive end in some ways, but they do drop in pass coverage. But And he's a good player. And, and going into the season, both Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, and Kevin Downing, who coaches that Raider position, we're touting Nicholas Strahl as going to be a guy that was a real impact player. Well, guess what? In this 3-3-5, three high safety alignment, it's his position that's eliminated. That When they go with an extra safety, they're eliminating the Raider position. So Nicholas Strahl could be disgruntled, be like, what the heck? You know, I'm really a good player, and you're, you're not, you got rid of my position. I don't start anymore. But, you know, he's been a team player. And he is now playing backup defensive end. He's spelling Jacob Busick at end. And I just find that so navy. I mean, here's a guy that's a really good player, a starter. And just because of the, the defensive alignment they're using, his position has been eliminated. And instead of sulking and moaning and saying, what is this? I, this is ridiculous. They, he just said, okay, I'll, I'll go be a backup. At defensive end, it's, it's not, I'm playing out of position. I'm not really big enough to be down there, but that's all right. I'll, I'll help out whatever it takes. That's kind of cool, isn't it, John? I love it, and it's and it's exactly the type of mantra and and philosophy that that Nehemiah and that entire staff has inculcated with this team since day one. Um, so yeah, it's it's wonderful to root for. It's wonderful to watch, and and we'll be doing that on Friday night. 7.30 ESPN2, watching the mids go up against the singular hurricane. Uh, my prediction is this. I'm going to go out and be pretty bold. I think we are going to see a breakout game for Ty Lavatai. I think that he is going to seize this quarterback position. He needed a couple of games to get familiar with it, to get the timing of the pitches with the triple option. I think he is going to seize control of this and become the quarterback of the now and of the future. And I think maybe comes out of Oklahoma, shout out to Aaron Bailey, uh, probably by a touchdown, maybe 10 points. Um, I think maybe gets a win and Ty puts his stamp on that win. So we'll see. We'll watch on Friday night and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for our updates. Uh, we'll be bringing you, uh, you know, updates after the first quarter at halftime and beyond stick with us. So, with that, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Naval Academy football legend Phil McConkie. And then after that, we are going to talk to Naval Academy graduate and astronaut Kayla Barron. So stick with us. When we come back, we'll be hearing from Phil McConkie. This is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, 
Both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Now back to the podcast. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, awesome to be joined here on the um, alumni segment by former Naval Academy football player, class of 79 graduate, Phil McConkey. Uh, for people my age, you, you best remember Phil as playing for the New York Giants. This is an audio medium. Um, but I'm wearing my beloved Denver Broncos t-shirt. Uh, Phil broke my heart when I was in seventh grade as he and Bill Parcells and Mark Bavaro and Phil Sims and the rest of those guys trounced the Broncos in the 1986 Super Bowl. Uh, before that, uh, Phil was a helicopter pilot, graduated from the Naval Academy after playing on the football team. Um, his very last game was the first ever Holiday Bowl um, where he, uh, he led a, a come-from-behind 23-16 victory over Jim McMahon's BYU Cougars. Um, and now, coming full circle, uh, has a plebe in the current class at the Naval Academy. So he's also a proud father in addition to being a very successful businessman and athlete still. He's the president at Academy Securities in San Diego, California. Phil McConkie, thank you so much for joining Sing Second Sports. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. You could have saved your breath and made an introduction like this. Um, uh, the father of midshipman, fourth class, May McConkie. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so claim, walk me my claim to fame <laughs> as it should be so walk me through that well, i mean we'll get into the football stuff with wags yeah. but walk me through what it's like you were talking a little bit before we went on air about having just spent a, lo- a large amount of time back here you've recently purchased a house you're going to spend more time back here where it all started for you what, what's it what's it like now having having a child in the current brigade um, yeah, you know, what, what's your nostalgia level uh, like right now? I imagine it's high. Yeah, it really is. Um, a lot of emotions and feelings uh, are running through my veins and body right now, especially when she said that's where she wanted to go. You know, the big difference is I didn't have many choices back then. Um, my daughter had a lot of choices on where she wanted to go, and she still picked the difficult um, task. So, um, you know, uh, my uh, hats off to her. I'm so proud of her for you know, what she's uh, choosing to do. And, you know, again, uh, um, I, you know, what's really interesting about wanting to be back and getting a second home back there. I, I, I saw not long ago and one of I think it was my class page uh, on social media somewhere. One of my classmates posted a aerial shot of the yard. OK, those beautiful you know, shots. You can see the chapel dome and the buildings and the athletic fields and the caption summed up perfectly what every uh graduate of the naval academy feels it said four years of doing anything to escape this place the rest of your life trying to get back so since 1979 i've been trying to get back and i'm finally getting back uh, via my daughter so you talked about how active you still are and this podcast was started with the understanding that we believed, you know, Ward, Chris, as graduates, WAGs, having covered it for so long, you know, me, I, I, I'm not a graduate, but had, had served two tours there. We talked about what is so unique about the Naval Academy is what the physical mission gives you, not only while you're there, whether you're playing football like you did or playing club or playing intramurals, but it's what the, the lessons of the physical mission impart upon you going beyond. That's what makes you successful. 
in a cockpit, but also in a boardroom. What did the physical mission mean to you? How has it guided you in your successful career since you stopped playing football? Well, there's two things that really have stuck with me since I was 18 years old. You know, I was always a competitive, little skinny, you know what. Um, but when I got to the Naval Academy, the mission statement, number one, um, and it's changed a little bit, but I think the concept's the same. It's to prepare midshipmen mentally, morally, physically to be combat officers in the United States Navy. So taking that, then my then head coach, uh, George Welch, you know, he used to say, and almost every single day, and I live by this, he would say, and it's so simple, it, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Every day at practice, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I, I, I didn't really understand that at first, but after a while it sunk in where you get to a certain level, you think you're doing the same things, that hard work and dedication and grit and determination to get you there. But you're kidding yourself because you're really going through the motions at times. So um, for me, I, I learned every day you're getting better, or you're getting worse. So, you know, those two things, the mission statement of the Naval Academy, what uh, George Welsh uh, taught us is something I, I've lived by to this day as a 64 year old guy. I'm trying to get better every day. Incredibly important life lessons there, Wags. Well, for our listeners, uh, I can tell you with 100% certainty, and I've been covering Navy football now for close to 30 years, that Phil McConkie's name is right there with all of the Navy greats whose jerseys have been retired. And I think Phil should probably have his jersey retired as well. But, you know, we mentioned Napoleon McCallum, Roger Stallback, Joe Bellino, Keenan Reynolds, and now Chet Moeller. Um, the, Phil McConkie's right there. He was well, great for Navy. And he was a great player in the NFL with the New York Giants. Um, you know, Phil, when you look back upon your career, how fortunate were you? Like you mentioned, you know, lightly recruited coming out of Buffalo, New York. And you went to Navy and enjoyed an incredible career, did some great things. And then after your service in the Navy, you had a chance to play in the NFL and won well, a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it, I'm really fortunate. I was lucky to have unbelievable coaching. You mentioned some of those guys from Navy and, you know, the, and even the best part are the teammates. And, you know, I look back at, at, at my career at Navy, you know, we talk about Chet Moeller, incredible All-American. He's even a better guy uh, than that. Um, learning from him and that team. You know, I think we got to our senior year. Junior year, we had a talented team and we lost to Army on the last second. And I'll never forget it. That, that loss sticks with me to this day. I probably think more about that loss to army than I do the win in the Super Bowl. So because you know, competitors hate to lose a hell of a lot more than they like to win. So that set the stage for our senior year, right? We had a lot of losses of, uh, of really good talent, but we had really good leadership of our senior class. So we're, we're, we're at the Naval Academy preparing to be leaders in the United States Navy. So here we are leading a football team. I think there were about 14 of us seniors at the time. There weren't many, but we knew that this was the last time we'd ever play football and we wanted to do something special, but we challenged each other. We challenged the team. Uh, we had incredible leadership to the point where we had a pretty difficult schedule. We were seven and zero. We just came off a win against Pittsburgh who had won the national championship two years before. We're seven and zero. We're ranked 11th in the country and that's the highest Navy's been ranked. Uh, since Staubach was there. So um, incredible team finish up uh, with the win over Brigham Young, as John said, in the first holiday bowl. Um, so those experiences for me, uh, not only on the football field, 
but in Bancroft Hall and um, just knowing what leadership can do for a team, for a business, for a country. Uh, and, 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 and some of those teammates of mine have gone on to do wonderful things and have been great leaders in the Navy. So you and I have talked about this before, Phil, when I've written stories about you, but, you know, maybe talk a little bit about your service time and how were you able to make the NFL after being away from football for so many years? You know, I think when I was a little boy, I think we've talked about this before, Bill. I, I, I wanted two things in life as a little boy. I wanted to score a touchdown on the Super Bowl. I was obsessed with football and I wanted to be a pilot. Well. I had never even been on a plane. I didn't think I got on a plane until I was 18 years old when I went to New York to go visit West Point, you know, a couple of weeks before I visit Annapolis. This is the first time I ever went on a plane. So um, I, why I had that dream, I, I don't know, but I had two of them. So when it came, uh, you know, to going to the Naval Academy, I couldn't get a scholarship because I was 145 pounds. Even though I was all state, and offense, defense, never came off the field. Nobody would give me a scholarship because they thought I was too small. So it really came down to West Point in Annapolis for me. So I figured going to Annapolis, I'd get one of my dreams, right? I'd get to be a pilot, hopefully. Um, never really thought about playing professional football. I thought that dream was dead. So we have that, you know, wonderful time, uh, finish up uh, in that Holiday Bowl win. And then I go on to Pensacola to get my wings and become a helicopter pilot. You know, I'm thinking this is pretty good. And that other dream that I had really wasn't gnawing at me until a few years into my commitment. Then I started wondering, what if, you know, could I do this? And I had made a determination at some point when my commitment was over that I was going to go give it a shot because I didn't want to be a 64-year-old guy like I am now wondering, what if, you know, would I have made it? Could I have made it if I had tried? So the first person I approached was Steve Belichick. And I asked him, you know, what do you think? Can I think I can do this? I'm going to be 27 years old, 160 pounds barely. And and I hadn't played football in five years. He said, well, unless you can run under a 4.6, nobody will talk to you. So I went out on the AstroTurf uh, where I was running this past week when I was there to see my daughter, the same AstroTurf practice field. And I ran two four fours for him. So um, he had called uh, uh, Bill Belichick to get me a look with the Giants. And I went up there and had a, a rookie mini camp. Uh, I'll never forget it. I ran a four four, and they were just in helmets and shorts and, I was diving for everything on the ass. My elbows and knees were bloody mess from three, uh, three days of two a days. Uh, so you know, I got a contract to, uh, go to training camp, which doesn't guarantee you anything. You know, I'm 14 wide receivers. They're going to be four, maybe five. I'm smallest, second oldest, and shortest. And I really had no chance, but what was, what really did it for me initially, at least was my ability to catch punts. Um, something that Steve Belichick and, and, and George Welch really honed in on when I was at the Naval Academy as a punt returner. You know, they said, hey, listen, that's a big responsibility. We're working to get our defense off the field. Last thing we want is for the punt returner to fumble the ball and the defense has to go back on the field. You know, you got 11 guys that are mad at you and I never wanted to let my teammates down. So, you know, I practice ad nauseum catching punts. So that's the big thing. And again, with the Giants, you had Parcells, Belichick, Romeo Cornell, they were all defensive coaches by trade. So ball possession, ball security on punt returns was, was paramount to them. And I was as good as anybody catching punts, and that's what got my foot in the door 
that helped lead me to realize that second three scoring a touchdown. Just so our listeners know, Phil did he did catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl for the New York Giants. And uh, remind me, was it Phil Sims or Hostetler? Who was the quarterback? Sims was the first Super Bowl. Hostetler was second against the Bills. Um, Sims was, I mean, magnificent. It, it, it may be the greatest performance in the Super Bowl by any quarterback ever. I'm biased, obviously, but but go look it up. I mean, 22 out of 25, right? In the three passes, one was a drop. One could have been a drop, and the third was a touch, a pass to me. It should have been a 60-yard touchdown. And again, I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but I'm thinking, I think more about the one that got away. We ran this play that they weren't expecting, that we had never shown. I faked this guy out of his you-know-what, right? We're on our own 40-yard line, third and five, and, and the safety's vacated. I am, I am running right down the middle wide open and um uh the guy trips he comes he's so beaten that sims throws the ball and he sticks his leg out to trip me which i fell down and it was an incomplete pass and i'm irate see jumping up and down and pointing and officials never called it and and i think about i think about that play more than i think about the touchdown that i scored later on well i'll let you go with this um friend of the pod and fellow canisius high school graduate uh, Matt McDonald uh, played basketball at Penn, the nephew of, uh, of a, a famous Naval Academy basketball player, Mike Heary. He just wanted to know, I mean, that, you know, you can't, you can't go to Canisius High School and not be a Bills fan. So here in the present day, are yeah. you a squish the fish guy? Are you a Bills so, fan or so, do you root for the Giants? So, you know, the old adage, you know, your first love never leaves you, never goes away. <laughs> I fell in love with the Buffalo Bills when I was six years old six years old and this is you know going on almost 60 year love affair and believe me i've tried to divorce myself from it there's been <laughs> years and years of agony and pain um but you can never stop loving your first love and it's still to this day i'm still obsessed with the buffalo bills you know of course the giants too it's kind of one and one a for me um obviously you know root for both but i, I still shake a little bit when I watch the bills on Sundays. It's, I, I, again, I've tried to rid myself of this terrible disease, but I I've learned that I, I'm not going to be able to, and I kind of watch the games like this now, you know, like a little kid that's scared, you know, oh, yeah. past Sunday night, right. Um, oh, I'm in okay. Annapolis and I'm, I'm watching that game against the chiefs like this. I'm going, really winning. Oh my goodness. Wags final question from you. You know, Phil, it's just great to see you. You're, I, I am so honored to have gotten to know you. You know, had you speak at the Touchdown Club of Annapolis Banquet, uh, done articles, about, you know, not only about teams that you were on, but, you know, we talk. I think when I did a story about Navy Brigham Young and we hearken back to the old Holiday Bowl that you start in, we're MVP of. So it's just been an honor to get to know you. Uh, last thing I'll ask, what, how'd you do in your last track meet? Um, last track meet? Um I ran uh, against high schoolers, and I've, I still have a pretty good start. At, at about 20 meters, I was ahead or tied for the lead. Um, I probably came in seventh out of nine, but um, hey, to have, still have that start, to still compete with kids, get in the blocks and get excited, it, it makes me feel like I'm a kid again, you know, to compete like that. So 
that's something that I'll keep doing for as long as I can do it. Because again, it's, it's how you feel and that makes you feel young, but Bill, yeah, you know, thanks again for that invitation a couple of years ago, that touchdown club. That was, that was an honor for me. That was a lot of fun. I'm happy to get to know you all these years. And, and I actually, you know, with Scott there now, and as long as he's been there, incredible SID, but we've had conversations about his predecessor, Tom Bates. And, you know, uh, I think you may have crossed over a little bit with Tom back I in did. the day, but he oh, was, yeah. uh, I know Bates, I know he Bates. Was, he was a character too. And, uh, we had some great times, but you know what? There's better times ahead. The last thing I want to say is um, these kids at the Naval Academy now, these midshipmen, um, and I was saying this before my daughter uh, you know, went there recently, they're some of the greatest kids you know, on the face of the planet. I've got to know a lot of them through uh, track and field, actually, ironically, because they come out to San Diego for a couple weeks um, every year. And I've got to know the head coach, Jamie Cook, who's done an incredible job. So I've got to meet a lot of these kids and I'm in awe of them and I am in awe of their service and the quality of these kids. Um, so we're in really good hands, whatever issues, uh, problems as a nation that we have, I'm buoyed by the fact that, uh, the next generation of leaders are these wonderful midshipmen that are going to graduate and become officers and leaders in the Navy and then go on after that serve us well. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, and again, I'm in awe of who they are. Well, it can't be said any better than that. So I won't say anything. Uh, Phil McConkie, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Bill's fan, graduate, father of a fourth class midshipman. And uh, we are so honored that you joined us. Uh, enjoy uh, San Diego. And we can't wait to see you uh, patrolling the mean streets of uh, downtown Annapolis when you get back here. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for you. I'll be there, John. Thanks so much, Bill. Look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. You're you're the man. We're going to go to break. This is Sync Second Sports. All right, folks. The temperatures are getting cooler, and it's time for college basketball. The Navy Men's Basketball Veterans Classic is back for another year. See the Mids take on Virginia Tech for a huge matchup in Annapolis on Friday, November 12th at 8.30 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at NavySports.com backslash tickets. And while you're on the ticket site, be sure to get your tickets for Navy's final home game against East Carolina. Enjoy the pageantry and excitement of Navy football all at historic Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. All right, so now you have your tickets for the Veterans Classic. You're all set for the East Carolina game. What are you going to wear? It's never too early to start thinking about that. All of the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available by clicking on the shop tab at NavySports.com. They have you covered with replica jerseys, sideline polos, t-shirts, and other novelty items. So make sure you visit the shop tab at NavySports.com today. It's time for our next segment. We were able to join the NASA press conference before the next SpaceX launch that is taking place Sunday morning, very early, 2 a.m.-ish. SpaceX is going up with Kayla Barron uh, in tow. We were so lucky to have been able to join the press conference and ask her a couple of questions. Here's that segment. Hey, Kayla, uh, very good to hear your voice again. And, you know, dovetailing off of what you already talked about, the Naval Academy, walk me through a little bit what the physical mission, um, on top of what all of the academic and mental challenges that come apart of NASA training, how did you rely 
on your success as an athlete, um, an athletic career that was born at the Naval Academy. How did you rely on that to get through the tough times? You know, I think the lessons for all of us in our athletic pursuits, really, we rely on them all of the time in our training as an astronaut, um, some days more than others. But I think all of those experiences taught us how to work on teams in really tough environments, how to push ourselves beyond our own limits, how to rely on each other for support when it came to our weaknesses. Um, and how a group of people who really trust and believe in each other can accomplish so much more together than they can on their own. Um, I think the most proximate times I rely on those moments are during the more physical aspects of our training, like spacewalk training. I think for all of us, that's like one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing we do. Um, and it's very similar to athletic pursuits, especially really strategic ones, because you're out it, well, in my case, I haven't done it in real life. Tom actually has. Um, but our training in the neutral buoyancy lab is fairly uh, similar. I think it's a strong analog. Um, and so those procedures, you know, we'll be out doing a spacewalk for seven hours. Um, and during that time, you have to maintain incredible mental focus. You're doing these really, really detailed tasks. And it's really physical because working in the suit is hard. Um, and you're out there with just water. You don't have anything to eat. You don't have any calories to sort of keep you going. Um, and so I think my experience playing basketball, but especially running, doing endurance sports, helped me learn you know, how to manage my output, how to surge when I need to, how to recover, and mostly how to stay focused and rely on the people around me to push me through those really challenging moments. One more question for Kayla. Kayla, you're part of now a long blue line of Naval Academy uh, astronauts. What's it like to be down there with Nicole Anapu, to be you know, around people like Chris Cassidy. Have, have you heard Have you heard from Naval Academy astronauts from present and past? And how, how do you feel about carrying that mantle forward as yet another uh, member of this Naval Academy class of astronauts? Yeah, you know, I, I think about those connections and relationships all of the time. I wouldn't have applied to be an astronaut if I hadn't met Naval Academy graduates who became astronauts and who really encouraged me to believe in myself and believe that that dream was possible. Um, it's just a fantastic group of mentors and friends. Um, both those that are retired from the office, people like Wendy Lawrence, who sent me an email yesterday wishing me luck on the mission, um, kind of brought tears to my eyes because I still fangirl over Wendy every time I get a chance to see her, along with Sunny Williams, who I still can't believe that she's my colleague and I walk by her in the halls because I think she's a hero to so many young women who aspire to careers in STEM um, and aspire to be astronauts. Um, and so working with people like Nicole flying in the T-38 with her, Chris Cassidy getting advice for him about preparing for spacewalks, it's an incredible legacy to be a part of. And I take that responsibility um, and privilege really seriously um, and hope to continue to make that community proud. So great to have heard from Kayla there. I, admittedly, I am so proud. We served together. She was the flag aide when I was the PAO. To see her go up into space and realize her dream when I was there, uh, when she was asking Sunita Williams those first questions about joining the astronaut program, it, it's just so great for me to watch her be where she is and, and hopefully everything goes well with this launch on Sunday. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to take it out.
If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football. And then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. All right, guys, so before we go out, one last event, as you probably saw and hopefully were tracking on our Instagram and Twitter, Navy Women's Soccer finished off the regular season tonight with a big win against Lafayette. Um, I'll tell you what, and, and Chris Cervello will back me up on this, Alexa Riddle is the real deal. Um, she is the quickest player out there. She has a certain presence about her. I know I went a little hyperbolic at the beginning by saying that she had a, a Ronaldo-like sense for how to get the ball and how to score, but that's how it seems. So Alexa Riddle had two very early goals, fifth minute and late in the sixth minute, uh, to put Lafayette basically down for good. They had no chance. They had no possession. They had no shots on goal. Uh, and then the second half, Katie Herman salted it away with a very nice slot home. In the very end, uh, Riley Dowd for Lafayette scored in the 85th minute to make it a 3-1 score. Um, and so this is how it ends. Uh, BU is the one seed, Navy is the two seed, and then we'll see how it all plays out at the bottom. We do know this, that Army, because Navy won, is the six seed. So we'll see how all the teams shake up. Chris, I know that you watched it um, on live stream as I watched it in person. You know, Alexa Riddle is what she is, but I was so impressed with how dominant, again, Tatum Kelly and the rest of the back line were. What were your impressions? A lot different than what we talked about maybe three weeks ago, where um, they kind of looked tired, where they didn't have a good transition game. Um, even though they were scoring goals, it just wasn't the Navy women's soccer that we were, we were used to. Boy, that hasn't been the case the last couple games, and especially tonight. Um, it could easily have been, you know, five, six to, to one. Um, and, and I have to admit, I, I thought that was a questionable call there um, that they, you know, called the handball in the box. Uh, I, I thought she, as she was falling down, her hand appeared to be in a natural position. It didn't appear to be a handball to me, but Hey, we got the win. They look great. They, they're peaking at just the right time. Super excited for the Patriot League tournament. And hopefully, I don't want to look too far ahead, but hopefully, you know, even more games after that. Yeah, so the big, the big part of today in winning was that at least we don't have to play on Halloween. Um, so the bottom seeds, uh, you know, the three, four, five, and six, they all play each other on Halloween. Navy essentially gets a bye along with BU until uh, Thursday, I believe the 3rd or 4th of November. And that's when the one and two Navy and BU or BU and Navy will play whoever comes out of those lower seated games. So anything can happen at this point. 
I know that I speak from personal experience that the last thing we want to do is travel up to BU, which has been a house of horrors for us. We don't win up there. Um, so, you know, if, if ever there's a year that we can change that history, let's do it this year. So um, I'll tell you what, that it, it was fun to be there. It was a perfect, perfect autumn night. And I can, I congratulate Karen and Rob and, and all the players for, for doing so well. And another result that we should talk about from this past weekend, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Navy rugby. So a really cool experience. While, while all of us were gallivanting and watching Navy put a scare into the number two ranked team in the country, there was a really great event for the Army-Navy rugby match down in Washington, D.C. Shout out to Chris Cleary, Chris Hoffman, and the rest of the uh, rugby alumni, particularly those who have appeared on this podcast before so down at FedEx Field in Washington, D.C., Navy was able to play Army and rugby, followed by a very special exhibition between the All Blacks, and if you know anything about rugby, fairly okay team from New Zealand, playing against the U.S. national team. The U.S. national team was given quite the lesson about what rugby is all about with the All Blacks destroying them, I believe, 114 to 12. Um, but in terms of the Navy match against Army, Army has a very good rugby team. It's a varsity sport. Uh, Navy was down early, came back to tie it, lost it in the end. With more details on that, Wags, take it away. Yeah, John, you called it. Army raced out to a 17-0 lead, and Navy rallied. And I talked to Gavin Hickey, the coach of Navy, um, and he said, here's the information. Now, senior lock Ben Rossi scored a try just before halftime. That cut the deficit to 17-7. Uh, fly half Lewis Gray made the, the uh, conversion. Then uh, Peter Ratniaki had a try, and that made it 17-14 after another conversion by Gray. And uh, Gavin Hickey was really proud because he said that the Army and Navy play a different style. Army is huge and just much bigger than Navy, and they can overpower Navy. And so Navy's kind of tactic is to play high pace and Navy prides itself on being really in great shape, high condition. And he thought that that showed through in the second half and Navy wore down army a bit and really uh, mounted a lot of pressure. And then uh, there was a penalty opportunity and, and Lewis Gray kicked a penalty kick to tie the game 17, 17 with 30 minutes to go. But the game winner was scored by, Michael Amberg of Army. It was about a, you know, a long run. And, he, and Gavin Hickey said the Navy just missed multiple tackles. But he was really proud of the team. And his quote was that our guys are punching so far above their weight because Army, as a varsity sport, is able to use that on leverage on Navy, which is club. And he says Army has 13 high school All-Americans on its team. So the, the fact that Navy is playing Army so tight and has beaten Army regularly. I mean, Army's won the last two meetings between the teams, but prior to that, Navy, it, it was back and forth. Um, so Navy beats Army all the time, but uh, that's why Navy's really pushing to be varsity because in order to compete with their arch rival, number one, and with the other teams, because there are a lot of varsity squads around the country. I think Stanford, Cal, there's a lot of programs that are true varsity. So the, uh, the club guy, the uh, rugby guys feel like Navy really needs to have that varsity status in order to compete in the, on the recruiting circles for the best players, John. 
Yeah, and so again, shout out to those members of the rugby brotherhood, so to speak, who have been very active in trying to raise funds so that they can get a groundswell of support for rugby being a D1 sport, adding to that list of 33 uh, D1 varsity sports at the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, if you're out there, if you're an alumnus, if you're a, you know, a, a member of the rugby brotherhood, please you know, try, try to find a way. Uh, to support this effort, uh, both financially and with your uh, and with your fanaticism, so that we can get another uh, opportunity for for these young men and women uh, to compete out there on the athletic fields. And with that, we are going to take this baby out for Bill Wagner, for Ward Carroll, for Chris Cervello. I am John Schofield. Thank you so much to Phil McConkey. Good luck, and thank you to Kayla Barron for being such a great example and a long a part of that long blue line of Naval Academy astronauts. Um, and for all of you, the fans and our sponsors, thank you for listening to Sing Second Sports. Go Navy, beat Tulsa, we are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.